0: Welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by StoredNaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing
1: to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection.
0: We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover ...and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth and sustainable living.
1: Today it is our pleasure to be speaking with Krista Bjorn. Krista was born in Canada and lived in America for 20 years... ...before heading to Europe and finally ending up where she says she was meant to be... ...on a hobby farm near Allora in rural Queensland, Australia with her Aussie husband... They have a bustling menagerie of Kalari red goats, Dorper cross sheep, a flock of chickens, some very noisy geese, and three beautiful dogs. Krista says there is something wonderful about waking up before the sun and watching it set. The paddocks aglow with light, getting teary with the joy as fat raindrops fall after a long drought. And watching spindly trees and withered up seeds turn into productive orchards and
0: thriving gardens that provide food for us every day. She is an author, writer, artist, photographer, and teacher of workshops on herbal medicine, home brewing, cheese making, and other self sufficiency skills. Krista's great love is making beautiful things with herbs from nourishing remedies and fragrance teas to luscious home brews. And divine sausages, cheeses, breads, and preserves. She's especially passionate about healing, whether it's our bodies, our minds, or our spirits, and runs wonderful herbal workshops. And we are really looking forward to hearing more about her crazy, beautiful life and the things she does. So, welcome, Krista. We are so pleased to have you on our Gutsy Matters podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. So, let's start at the beginning. How did someone who was born in Canada? was living in America, end up coming to live on a hobby farm in Australia?
2: Well, um, it turned out that there was this really lovely Australian bloke that I met, and he lived in Australia, (laughs) and um, it was just a perfect, amazing alignment of everything, and um, I had actually gone through a really traumatic event and was looking to start over, and then I met this really lovely Aussie fellow, and... He was just a delight and a rock for me in a really difficult time. And so I thought, well, maybe this is it. And so I flew out to Australia to meet him. And um, I got here five minutes before we got flooded in with the huge floods of 10 years ago. And we just got along like a house on fire. And the moments I met him, I knew this is the one. And so I went back to the States and I, packed up all my stuff and I sold almost everything and I moved out here and I've been here for ten years
0: now. Wow. <laughs> it was it <a> baptism by <laughs> well, not by fire, by water if you arrived just before <laughs> the floods, wow.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> That's a lovely story. We could dwell on that, but let's talk about some of the things that you that you do and that you make. And I just read one of your blogs about making uh chopping They were chopping boards, but um, you burn patterns into them and make artwork and, and unique books and handmade apothecary remedies. And tell us more about what you do.
2: Okay. Well, um, when I moved out here, I had never lived um, on a farm before. I knew absolutely nothing. I was scared of chickens. I didn't know <laughs> how to deal with goats. Um, I did not know anything. And oh. But... Captain was really lovely, and he built me these amazing gardens, and he said, I will never set foot on in them. They are yours with whatever you want, and so I just started experimenting, and I was a really horrible gardener <laughs> for the first few years, and I killed mostly everything, and the little that I did know had been from a part of the world that got rain, you know, 200 days out of the year. So that's a totally different environment. Yes. So I just had to learn everything from scratch, and um, I met really lovely people in the area who were more than happy to share their knowledge with a complete novice. And so I started experimenting, and and as I started experimenting, I got so excited about it, and I learned about foraging for native foods here in Australia, um, different herbs and things that you can use for teas and medicines, and I just started trying things, and some of them were an amazing success, and some of them were (laughs) a catastrophe, Um, and the more that I experimented and tried, the more I learned, and it just became something that I really, really loved, and in the process, I was able to uh, heal from some really terrible things in my past and um, to find peace and to really empower myself because um, I came here knowing nothing. And now I know how to butcher. I know how to um, do home brewing. I can make cheese and bread. And I know um, as I go hiking, I can spot different things that are edible in the paddocks or in the bush. And I know how to turn them into medicines or just something that's delicious
0: to eat. And it's been really wonderful. That's a steep learning curve. Absolutely. Just goes to show you you can learn things quickly if the passion is there, that's for sure. Yeah. So can you just tell us what apothecary is so listeners understand and then mm-hmm. tell us a bit more. You, you grow lots of herbs and make herbal healing remedies. Perhaps you can just tell us a little bit more about that side of it. Absolutely.
2: So apothecary is simply an old term for a chemist or a pharmacist, someone who would take um, herbs and blend them together into medicines for their clients. So it is something um, that I developed. I am actually part of a medieval reenactment group. And so through that, I have spent 10 years researching medieval medicine and herbal medicine, discovering uh, what people did to heal themselves and take care of themselves before before modern um, medicine came about. And so through that, I started a medieval herb garden. So I have five gardens. And in there, um, I counted the other day, and I think I have 45 different herbs that I grow. So I have everything from comfrey and lemon verbena to burdock root, marshmallow root, all kinds of different things. And so I grow them. I harvest them, and depending on what they are, um, I use them for different things. So, uh, for example, with the roots, I would um, wait until autumn until they're nice and fat and then pull them up. I always leave a few in the ground so that they can replicate themselves, and then I would clean them and slice them and dry them and use those for different teas, um, Also, I grow a lot of different leafy herbs and things, so uh, lemon balm and um, spearmint and and white sage and pineapple sage and uh, lemon thyme and things like that. And Each of those herbs has healing attributes for it that are good for the body. So, for example, if I had a cough, I would go out to my garden and I would collect sage and lemon thyme and make a really strong tea and gargle with that i was trying to heading into autumn which i am now i would go out to my elderberry bushes and i collect um the elder flowers and the elderberries and i dry those and then i turn them into um an elderberry cordial with um i so i boil up the dried berries with cinnamon and star anise cardamom pods and uh, cloves and all kinds of really good spices and also Tasmanian pepperberry, which is a native plant to Tasmania and is amazing. And all of those things are antiviral, antibacterial. And so they're really good for, um, strengthening and supporting the immune system. And so those are the things that I make. So my kitchen is just filled with jars of dried things or brewing things. Um, my friends just laugh and shake their heads when they walk in because they know they're going to see all what w- looks like a whole room of science experiments. But they're all things that are um, healthy and nourishing and supportive to good health and well-being. I imagine your kitchen smells divine. <laughs> it does. It's quite wonderful. Yeah, my husband will be out working and he'll come in and the whole house is filled with amazing scents. So, yeah, he doesn't mind.
1: I just want to think back, though, to starting. You know, when you started your garden, I um, yeah. I love herb gardening as well. Though my garden has been significantly neglected, um, recently because of uh, you know other priorities in life. But the herbs yeah. are so persistent. They're yeah, they're wonderful plants, aren't they? You know, they'll yes. they will persist even after
2: neglect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're like a dog. Yeah, they're, they're ever loving. <laughs> Absolutely. They're amazing. Um, yeah, I might kill other things, but
1: the herbs just keep right on checking So if we did want to um, you know, you just gave us some hints and tips of things that you do, but what are some have you got anything that maybe um people who don't have the dedication and the and the space that you have could do at home quite successfully and still make a difference to
2: their health? Absolutely. If you can only grow a few things, um Things like peppermint, um, are it's really easy to grow, and it spreads like crazy. A lot of the different herbs you can just throw very successfully in a pot, but if you don't have any room or time for growing at all, there are some excellent companies online that you can purchase dried herbs from, and as long as you store them in a dark place and in, um, in a glass jar or something that is airtight, they will last for a good long time, and You can um, make up your own blends, um, or you can attend a workshop and learn how to make your own blends. Or there are also companies where you can purchase things. So the important thing to know about herbs is that they affect bodies differently. So um, something that I might take for digestion might not do much for you. So the wonderful thing about herbs is that there are a lot of different options. So if you try something and it doesn't work, you can try something else. There are probably 10 or 20 different options that you can try until you find something that you really like the taste of and that responds well with your body. That's a really good point. I'm glad you made
1: that point because sometimes when you open a herbal book, uh, one of my favorite books is the one by Isabel Shippard. Um, Yes. She was, uh, she's passed now, but she was based in Queensland, Australia and um, sometimes the options for treating a symptom or a condition are overwhelming because there just are so many options. But I just love how you've, you know, you've explained that all the herbs work differently because all our bodies are so different and we just have to find the one that's right for us.
2: Yes, absolutely. found it quite overwhelming in the beginning until I realized, oh, I just need to find out what works for me. I don't have to worry about all the other things. And so then it became something fun. And um, so if I had an upset stomach, I would try different things and I'm like, whoa, that did not help. <laughs> and, um, and then I'd try something else and think, oh, that's the best thing I've ever tasted and I feel such that. So then you can start just building your own personal apothecary that is really good for you. And I think it's a wonderful thing for self-care and is quite empowering and wonderful that if you've got sunburn or mosquito bites that you know you've got something in your cupboard that will take care of that right away. It's a really good feeling.
0: So how do people learn about what to do with different herbs? I mean, obviously you said some things work for some people and some work for others, but mm. I guess you could also have some herbs that may be detrimental if you put the wrong things together. I'm not sure. Yes. But you know. So how? what's the best way for people to, to go about, I mean, obviously doing your workshops is the first step, but to just to educate themselves because it's probably good to come to the workshops with a little bit of knowledge as well. So, so yes. about the herbal properties and then about how to use the herbs and how to dry them and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. What I love is that nowadays there are some wonderful um, scientific studies that people are really investigating herbs to see. You know, some of them, there's long tradition, how they were used, but very little scientific basis So, for example, when I am studying a new herb, I will go online and I will research. um, Let's say I'm studying lemon balm. Um, I will go online and I'll just type in lemon balm scientific studies or research evidence or evidence-based studies, that kind of thing. Just those different keywords. And I will just study and study and study until I have a really good understanding of what the herb actually does. And because I... I am very much a science-based person. I like to use things that are effective and that actually work. And as delightful as it is to study medieval medicine and um, the history of herbs and that kind of thing, I really like to know things that actually work. I don't want fairy tales and folklore. I want science. And so there are some fantastic books out there. Um, Rosalie de la Foray um, is a fantastic author, and she gives the scientific basis for um For the herbs that she uses, Heidi Merica is um, a Queensland-based writer, and she is brilliant. Her book is fantastic and giving the scientific basis for herbs. So they are two good sources, but there are many others as well um, that you can study. Basically, it takes a lot of work (laughs) that you just have to spend time. What I like to do is just choose one herb at a time Um, so I actually started out with peppermint and lavender those were my first two and I just studied everything I could on them and um, experimented with them to see if they were um, useful for me and then I would just add another one so I don't have to know all about herbs about every single herb I just focus on one at a time and then just add on to my knowledge after that.
1: That's an awesome system and uh, you've given me two new books to upgrade my collection with.
0: Oh, good. (laughs) Excellent. So we'll get the proper names for those books as well and put them in the show notes for this podcast. So if if listeners didn't catch uh, what they were, we'll have those available just so people know and and other suggestions if you have them as well. Absolutely. I'll send those through.
1: So I always think of peppermint for peppermint tea, but um, there's probably a million other things and,
2: and maybe you might be able to share a recipe with us. Oh, sure. Well, as we're going into autumn right now, that's the time when we usually get colds and uh, flus and fevers and that kind of thing. So I actually make up a huge batch of elderflower tea, and that is a mix of elderflower and yarrow, uh, hibiscus, rosehip, and peppermint. Um, And then I also throw in calendula as well because it looks pretty and it's a The herb is an adaptogen, which means it just helps all of the other herbs work really well. So I will send that recipe through to you, but I love it. And it's what I gift to all of my friends, and they swear it's their favorite tea of all. And it's just really wonderful if you do get um, any sinus congestion or the headaches and aches that come with uh, fever and cold. It really alleviates those symptoms and helps you feel a lot better while you're healing. Wow. it
1: Yeah, it would look pretty, smell pretty and taste nourishing. Yes.
0: yes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And help as well. Help your health. So Absolutely.
2: Wonderful. Yeah. Because I'm a big believer in um, using herbal things that taste really good too um, and that you actually want to take because if you don't want to take it, then you won't take it and it won't do you any good. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite
0: teas. So just with the herbs, what is the best way for people to dry them if they've got, if people listening have got herbs in their garden and thinking, yes, I'm going to try mm-hmm. this? What's the best way to do that?
2: Okay, uh, well here in Australia we're lucky because most of the time it's really dry, so um, I'll just usually hang them up in a bundle in um, usually in my living room or my office somewhere or even the kitchen somewhere that's um, dry and warm, and they dry very quickly within a day or two. If it's damp, if you're in a humid part of Australia, then I I use my dehydrator. So I just strip the leaves off of the plant and um, put them in the dehydrator and then dry them. And they go crispy dry within, oh, I don't know, about six hours or so. And then I just crumble them by hand and store them in an airtight glass jar and stick it in my pantry and then it stays really good and
0: fresh for quite a long time. Thank you. Because I think some Mm. people have... Well, I know I have, and I'm sure other people have had um, failures with drying herbs where you hang them in a bundle and then they go mouldy or something. But obviously then it's not the right weather to be drying the herbs in if that's the case.
2: Yes. Yeah, so right now, because everything is so um, moist and humid after all the rain, I would definitely be using the dehydrator. Mm -hmm.
0: This isn't all that you do. As we said in the introduction, besides looking after a menagerie of animals and growing herbs, you're also a writer photographer and an artist so can you tell me a little bit about your books and some of the other things that you do i know you've just recently written a herb book is that correct
2: yes yeah um it's called herb and spice a little book of medieval remedies and that came out of my work with medieval reenactment and it is a book of recipes that have stood the test of time that they were used back in medieval times and are scientifically proven to be just as effective now as they were back then. And so there's all kinds of um, cordials and syrups and pastilles, which are um, tiny little hand-rolled pills um, or tablets, and teas and balms and pastes and all kinds of good things that um, are helpful for anything from an upset stomach to sore muscles and joints, um, to headaches, to fevers, all that kind of thing. So they're just things that you can make with stuff out of your garden. Um, they're, they mostly use things that are very common, um, so it's really easy for people to access that and be able to make them out of things from their pantry or their herb garden or things that they can easily pick up at the grocery store. And I've also written a book on Freestone, um, which is a town near me, and I wrote a history of that. And I am a uh, food and travel writer, so I write monthly articles for different magazines and print and online publications about, oh, I don't know, things like how to make your own cheese, how to make your own sausages, um, all different kinds of recipes and things like that. I just love, I love learning how to make things and then making it really simple for other people to make them as well.
0: So do you have a book coming out with all of those recipes?
2: Um, I am working on that. It's not quite ready yet. (laughs) I've got the herb and spice one coming out in about a month and then I have my next one. I'm hoping to have it ready in about six months, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Wonderful. We'll look forward to that one as well.
2: Thank you. So Wendy
1: mentioned that you do some workshops. Tell us a little more about those because I'm sure we've got some um, curious minds listening.
2: Okay. All right. I've got two workshops that are coming up in the near future. And if people are interested in that, they can um, visit my website and sign up for the newsletter and I'll be sending out the details for that. Uh, The first one um, is a herbal tea making workshop. And so we'll be making all different kinds of herbal tea blends. Some of them are purely for pleasure uh, and others are specifically to help with different issues like the um, elderflower tea one that I told you about. Uh, we'll be making that there and then several others. So that one is going to be held at the Grain Shed Retreat in Goombara. And I am partnering with Belle Dubois from Darling Downs Wellness Therapies. And then I'll be doing one in May at Rada Handmade Organics, also in Goombara. We've got a wonderful little cottage, and uh, we'll be having a um, herbal, herbal remedies for winter workshop. And that's where I'll be teaching how to make um, elderflower, elderberry cordial, rose mint pastilles, just different things that are really good to have in your pantry when winter is coming on. So things that will help you if you've got a cold or a flu or a fever, things that are really warming um, in case you've got a chill, things like that.
1: I always find when my pantry's full of herbs that I sort of naturally feel more confident about handling life, you know, like you yes. feel like if something comes your way that you didn't really want, like a cold or a flow, but you, you know, yeah. you've got the, the capacity to handle it. Like,
2: you know, yeah. I don't know,
1: it's hard to put words around it, isn't it? A confidence, maybe yeah. it's like a quiet confidence. Yes,
2: absolutely. I find it very, Yes, it gives you quiet confidence. It gives you a sense of security. Um, I also feel quite peaceful because I know whatever will come up, I have a way to make it um, easier to bear for me or um, the person in my family who's going through it. Mm.
1: Yeah. So I'm sure that's a good reason, you know, why a lot of people come to your workshops.
2: Yeah, it's been really fun. I do um, these established workshops, but I also do private workshops. Um, for example, people like to have a girls' night or get together with all their daughters and um, that kind of thing. And we'll just get together for an afternoon or an evening. And they tell me um, what the theme is or they just say, we want to get together and make stuff, so can you come up with a plan Mm -hmm. and um, so that we get together and just have fun. It's so delightful. And uh, people will bring a bottle of wine and um, some snacks and we'll just sit around the table and make things and have a great time.
0: What a great idea.
2: Well, yeah, and and it's,
1: you know, it's the part of learning that makes it easy, doesn't it? You know, when we're curious and when we're observant and when we're just sort of doing it for the joy of it, suddenly we're learning without learning.
2: Exactly. Yes, it should be fun and exciting and um, you should be able to go home at the end of a workshop with a whole armful of amazing things that you made (laughs) and it's a really good feeling. It is.
0: And do you do workshops on the other self-sufficiency type skills that um, we mentioned earlier, like make sausages with the herbs and cheeses and breads and preserves and things like that. Absolutely. The, the yep. Herbs.
2: Yeah. Basically, they I would call them a self-sufficiency workshop. And so, yeah, we can just choose a topic, um, whether you want to learn how to make your own liqueurs or cheese or sausage or bacon or ham or bread, whatever is of interest to people, I do workshops on that as well. And I can um, design them myself or if people have a specific interest that they have, I can um, set
0: up a workshop specifically for them. Wow. Is there anything you don't do, Krista? It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there
2: is. (laughs) Basically, I just follow whatever delights me and, um, and I go down that track. And if it keeps delighting me, I keep going. And if not, I
0: just call a halt to it and try something else. What a lovely philosophy! Yeah, to just follow <laughs> the the path that delights you. That's that's really lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed um, the chat with you today and learning more about what you do with with herbs and. Um, Uh, Perhaps you can tell us your website so people can go and have a look there. And we'll also put the information, the recipe and the websites and the workshop information all on our show notes on storednaturally.com so people can find all that information there about the Gutsy Matters podcast that you've just delivered. So perhaps you can just tell us your website and any other social media handles if you would like to as well.
2: Absolutely. That sounds great.
0: Um, My website is
2: ramblingpart.com. And uh, you can also find me on social media. Um, Facebook is Rambling Tart. Instagram is Rambling Tart. Pinterest is
0: Rambling Tart. And um, Twitter is Rambling Tart. (laughs) So it's pretty consistent across the board. So it's, for people that didn't catch it, it's Rambling Tart. Initially, I thought it was Rambling Art, but it's not. It has a T. Ah. So T-A-R-T, Rambling Tart. Exactly. So have a look there because her website is wonderful. So, look, thank you so much, Krista. We've really, really loved uh, having a chat with you today. So thanks so much for your time. My absolute pleasure.
1: Have a great day. You too, Krista. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic... Then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends.
0: For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally.
0: We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.